All right, everybody, welcome to another take. Uh, today is Thursday, which means that we get to visit with a very special guest. Very excited to have Shannon. I'm just looking at what's your last name, Shannon? <laughs> Ullman. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Shannon Ullman, who is here um, joining us. She has a company called Elevation Herbal Teas. And she basically grows tea, herbs for teas and all of, and all of the things. And um, I found out about Shannon on accident, as there are no accidents, right? Uh, this summer, when my other mother was coming out and I wanted to do something amazing. And so I was perusing around the various different types of farms and things in our area to see if, if there would be something cool that she and I could do. And your farm actually popped up and I did send you a message and we weren't able to come because you were out of town, but I haven't been able to get your, what it is that you've created out of my mind. Mm -hmm. So um, my first question to you, and, and what I find to be so curious is we talk a lot about, especially these days, people and kids knowing where their food comes from. Mm -hmm. And to be quite honest, it never occurred to me that there could be like, I'm just calling it a tea farm. I get that it's herbs mm -hmm. and whatnot, but I never really put that together um, until I saw what it is that you created. So um, how would you like to begin? And I do, one of my first questions is how did you come up with, or what was it about tea? Mm, that's a great question. Um, well, so going hopefully not too far back, um, as a consulting engineer, which is what I was in my previous life, of course, I had a water bottle with me everywhere I went and um, got a little bored just drinking water. And I love having hints of flavor, but I definitely don't like, um, you know, not natural stuff. And so I started growing herbs myself just to throw my tea, like chamomile and mint and lavender, the kind of normal things that you think of. Um, so then fast forward to moving uh, to uh, Hotchkiss, Colorado, and we purchased a property that was five acres. And um, in my time when I wasn't just being a mom, mostly during nap times, um, I kind of started doing some research about what was possible to do productively with the property that we had purchased. And given the size, I knew that it would have to be something that is sold in small quantities. So that sort of limits things like um, jars of salsa and hops maybe and um, you know, jelly or things like that. The other thing that I, I knew that I personally wanted was a product that would be shelf stable so that I wasn't making myself crazy going from um, harvest to plate um, in a certain amount of time. So given all of those sort of um, inputs, um, I started doing research on herbal teas just because it was kind of a passion of mine from the beginning and I knew that I could grow some herbs. Um, and 
what you know, I started to see that one, there is a growing market for wellness products. Um, and two, it's sold in small quantities, just like what I had envisioned. And um, three, it's a very niche market, as you uh, pointed out, they're really, you know, I can grow tons of lavender and other things and create body products and things like that. But there are quite a few of those kind of businesses around and not having a lot of experience as an entrepreneur when I started this, I knew I kind of wanted to identify a product that I wasn't going to immediately throw myself into a highly competitive market. So um, all of those things sort of came together. And then um, as I started coming up with different recipes and looking, doing market research on what other blends people are putting together, I really had an opportunity to um, inject me, myself, into what I was creating. So um, Elevation Mountain Grown Herbal Tea is like everything about me. If you um, ever purchase our products, I kind of put my my heart into each tea pouch. And the blends are named after places that inspire me in Colorado. Um, and I guess in so doing, by putting myself and my heart into the product, it um, it just really gained a lot of momentum and it felt like the direction was correct, was right and good for what I, what I was envisioning. So that's a long answer to a short question. Yeah. Well, you have some, it's, it's, you have some super unique flavors. Yeah. And so I get that, that it is your unique stamp um, that you have infused into your products. And, and when I was looking at it, I mean, you, you easily have over 25 flavors with the blends and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, but you have like a pineapple sage and you have a, a strawberry and, um, you have French tarragon and hibiscus and apple mint and just all of these amazing flavors with the chamomile and the echinacea and different and mint and different blends within all of those. Um, are you always, are you constantly creating new flavors or it, has it, has it kind of has, does it kind of ebb and flow and just all of a sudden it's like, wow, I'd like to try that? Or or how does that process work? You know, as far as the flavors go and the blending combinations, that, that in particular has not um, changed a lot since launch other than um, that we started offering all of our blends either with or without homegrown stevia leaf, which is kind of a big story in and of itself related to wellness and understanding flavor profiles and things like that. But for me personally, because it's clear that growth and change and adaptation is like part of the human experience. What I really have been thriving on is learning how to do um, like customer interaction and um, Kind of marketing. So I originally started the business thinking that um, my role would be very kind of sterile between myself and my customers. The brand would be like the firewall. Um, and what I have really learned is that 
actually what makes me feel most fulfilling and frankly what my customers really value is like face-to-face -face interactions and experiences on my farm and like seeing the strawberries that go into the tea and understanding how we made it and all of the um, sort of like inputs that are around one tea bag so that when they drink the tea, it's not like, you know, a cup of tea, but it's actually like an entire story and an entire experience with a human being and a family and bees and like <laughs> all of those things. So um, to get back to your question about the blends, I haven't made a lot of changes to those, but where I have grown a lot is like allowing the business to um, sort of uh, create connections between myself and my customers, which I love. And I love learning about each of my customers, why they drink their tea, what is their experience with my tea. Um, it's just, man, it's just really uh, kind of a sweet um, sort of synergy between myself and my tea drinkers. Yeah, well, one of my questions that I had written down, which you've kind of spoke about now twice a little bit, is um, is what, where is it here? Um, yeah, so what's it like waking up each day knowing that Elevation Herbal Tea is so congruent with what it is that you'd like to see on the planet. Cause you talked about having like experiences on your farm, offering that, inviting people to that. You have the, this way that you grow all of your herbs and stuff, which is a whole, like there's all these different, all, all of these different areas with the sustainability, you guys use solar as well. Um, and so what, what is that like? That is a wonderful question. <laughs> so um, I, I guess I first would want to respond by saying um, it is what you make it. And so for me in particular, it could be work, right? It could be like waking up and being like, oh, I have all these tasks I need to get done and line them up and be like, struggle, struggle, struggle. And like, I'm out in the sun all day and I like who's really complaining about that, but it, you could, <laughs> you know, it's okay um, too. It's okay. <laughs> but, um, what is it like? It's, what is it like to, um, make a choice every day that, um, you, um, you fill your entire experience and your entire environment with, um, with, open-mindedness and learning and um, touching and all of the sensory opportunities. And, um, you know, I get to hold butterflies and I get to like thank the bees as they move from one flower to another in front of me as I harvest. And, um, you know, the choice is, do I look at those experiences and say, this is just part of my quote unquote job? Or do I just like wake up in the morning and say, I, you know, this is the life that I've created because it's, um, it's, it's beautiful. And this is what makes me happy. And I walk outside and I inhale and enjoy the sunshine and the friends, both plants and insects and animals and 
I'm grateful. So <laughs> what is it like? I guess it's a choice to be grateful for what um, what is happening here. And frankly, I'll also just put forth that, you know, to the extent that it is and is not in my control, I really value that too. So it is in my control to have um, a great experience every day. And it is in my control to um, be encountering what I'll call challenges and seeing each challenge as a possibility for growth and learning. Um, it's a little out of my control about when somebody asks me if I want to do an interview, but good gracious, isn't that a wonderful opportunity too? So um, I don't always control exactly who I'm going to meet and who I'm going to talk to and maybe what um, what events are going to happen from day to day. But what is in my control is that um, I get to just be joyful as I encounter each one of those experiences. Yay. Yay me. <laughs> Yay. Yeah, it, and it, it is a sensory, when you talked about like the touching and when I'm out hiking, if I'm ever around sage or I just, I just love to just, just, yep. to, yeah, and then just like eat it up my nose. <laughs> I mean, it just Me feels, too. <laughs> you know, I'm just like, can I just hold this here for the rest of my hike? Um, or like yeah. this time of year when you're out in the woods hiking, like, I feel like I'm almost welcomed home when I start smelling sort of wet, damp aspen leaves. That's exactly what's happening right now. And just what you're saying is like, it's it's such an invigorating moment to be able to um, use use your senses in that way. <laughs> True, and, and hearing too, like the different move the movement of all the different things and on your farm the bees and the flapping of wings and what whatever else is sort of going on there I bet yeah um so what uh, was there a moment because I mean you're you I mean you have uh, from a business perspective as well pragmatic like in this reality business you have created quite a business for yourself. Mm. You are the founder. You are the creator. I'm sure you you have help and and mm. have help, and you source things out um, from other farms in the area that um, that sort of are, are are a match energetically with what you're doing um, congruently and all that stuff. Um, you you ship your teas. You, there are places all over um, Colorado that carry your products. Um, what was there a moment that you were like, holy crap, we have to go bigger? Or how did that, how did it sort of transform from like planting to wow? Yeah, that's a great question. So, um, when I started out before launch, I built um, nine raised beds that I used as basically test beds. And I planted everything I could possibly think of that may or may not be a good fit in a blend, just to see, does it grow? What's its personality? How does it pair with other things? Um, all kinds of stuff. How much water does it need? What kind of extra resources for processing are there going to be? Um, so in doing that, we also sort of developed an understanding about how the processing needed to work. And that is like, 
well, you cut a stem and then you have to wash it and then you have to dry it and then you have to grind it and then, <laughs> then you have to blend it in the right ratios and then you have to package it. And so, you know, like maybe you would expect for every entrepreneur that is creating a food kind of product, you start, you know, in your kitchen and you turn on a Cuisinart or you, I had like, like a little hanging shelf that I was drying the tea with just to see how all of that was going to go. And then um, we needed to make a decision about whether or not we were going to be um, willing to only sell in Colorado. You could, you can always sell out of your kitchen uh, under the cottage food industry, but there are limitations both in the amount that you can sell and also that it has to be direct to consumer. And do we want to limit ourselves in that way? Um, and it's a great, I think it's a great way to start, um, especially if you don't have a lot of upfront capital to create what's necessary um, to go from uh, the cottage food to wholesale. And what's necessary is that you uh, do all of your processing in a commercial kitchen, which we didn't have. <laughs> so um, before lunch, we had to make the decision that we were going to do that. And then as the um, as the herbs are growing, we moved all of them from the ones that we chose for the recipes that I created. I moved all of them from those nine test beds and propagated those out into the fields. And all of a sudden I have um, what used to be, you know, a few hundred square feet to now um, two full acres of, of herbs. And <laughs> it um, everything changes when it's not in a Cuisinart and being teaspoonful by teaspoonful put into a little drawstring bag and taking that bag and putting it into a little zipper pouch. Do you, so you can imagine then you have to figure out um, the space that you're going to need to do the processing, the space that you're going to need for the herbs themselves, how many herbs of each um, plant or how many plants of each ingredient do you want and then um, um, even things like we if you see our products they're packaged mechanically so I'm no longer putting it in one teaspoonful at a time but we actually have a tea packaging machine that's what it's created for and so you know all of those things kind of were sort of necessary um, investigations that had to happen in order to basically check the box that I wanted to check, which was, I'm going to sell this wholesale, which means I need to have a commercial kitchen and a process that is FDA approved and all of that. So yeah, I mean, <laughs> it definitely, it went fast. It went from the test beds to half an acre to two acres in in a matter of a year including oh, really? Really? the construction yeah the construction of the um commercial kitchen our our barn which looks like a an old wooden barn on the outside and on the inside is the facility um yeah it <laughs> it all happened very quickly but by by nature of my setting a goal for myself that I wanted to have a certain kind of business, which meant that I, I needed to check those boxes. Yeah. Yeah. You were all in. <laughs> yes. All in. That's a perfect, yes. That's a perfect way to say it. So what, what do the seasons look like for you then as a tea grower, processor, all of that? 
Yeah. Well, so um, we have the planting season, which is basically starting in about April and going through early June. And then harvest goes from early June until mid-October once things start to freeze. And then from October to basically the start of planting season again, any work that's done out in the field is mostly related to winterizing and bringing some of the plant mass down where it's necessary to do that. Um, so that's kind of in terms of the farmer part of it, but um, winter is a great opportunity for me to both do self-education and then um, reaching out to new vendors and new um, prospective retailers. Um, so doing a lot of marketing. Um, yeah, I have had some opportunities to do some speaking things. So then creating presentations and um, I, you know, just a lot more sort of like marketing related and advertising related work happens in the winter. And I'll, you know, I'll just also say that, um, you know, not really intending to, but definitely has become a goal of mine is to allow the winter season for myself to also be a season of a little bit more rest taking and developing of other sort of personal, um, uh, skills and creative in initiatives. So I, I play music, I play the harp and I do a lot more harp playing in the winter too, because I have time. I play for um, our local uh, hospice center, which is Hope West and other places where I have more time in the winter to do that. So I also do a little bit of painting. I think all of that is like exactly what um, life should look like in terms of work balance and joy and um, sharing things that you learn how to create. Mm, that's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. So do you think um, um, like there, there should be no apology for resting and enjoying um, all of the things? Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think, I think we, at least I personally, I'm starting to appreciate allowing myself to um, explore more than just um, one thing at a time, you know? <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. Um, so um, a couple more questions, but I, I don't want to, I want to I, you are quite a poet, writer. Oh, oh thank you. Wow, thank you. <laughs> um, I, I love this so much. And um, if it's okay with you, can I just read a little, a little snippet from your September 10th blog? Yes, please. Oh, I'm honored. Thank you. Okay. Um, okay, so it's, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but um, I wrote down some things. And so it's called Labor of Love. Mm -hmm. And it starts to find joy in work is to discover the fountain of youth. And mm -hmm. Paul Buck said that. Yeah. The rest here that I'm going to read, I believe you wrote. And if that's mm -hmm. incorrect, just, okay, you wrote it, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's amazing. So, what, what are they doing? I'm stacking rocks, replies the laborer. I'm building a wall, replies the employee. 
I'm constructing a building, replies the contractor. I'm creating a cathedral in which souls will bow in reverence and meet the divine, replies the artist. What am I doing? Picking herbs? No, I am nurturing life, tending, sustaining, sharing, encouraging. Mm. What are you doing? Preparing meals, changing diapers, writing reports? No, you are laboring in love. I'm learning no matter your title, each task we perform has exactly the value purpose and dignity that we choose to give to it. Mm. Every labor can be love. Mm. <laughs> yep, <laughs> it's true. It's so beautiful. Um, yeah, I just, I just, I should have let you read that. <laughs> I don't know if I could have got through it. I was kind of getting teary just listening. <laughs> so I'm glad you did. Yeah, it's, um, it's really... I, it's funny because I just report, recorded a podcast about what it is that we value and it's not nearly as beautiful as what you just, what I just read, what, but, but there is something about I, when you were talking about, you know, what are you, I'm, I'm the builder, I'm the rock mover, I'm this, I'm that, um, just the creative process, the, the creativity that we each are here to really um, allow to flourish on the planet. Like that's all, that's all creativity. That's all people um, just choosing what it is that they're aware of and, and, and doing something creative with that. But, um, but it's not always the way that we see it in the world that we live. Mm. yeah um so what are you most proud of mm. <laughs> that's a great question um wow <laughs> now having just read that I'm like oh my goodness what am I most proud of um well, there's probably several ways that I can answer that. Um, I'll just start by saying in a way that I hope doesn't come across as selfish. I am most proud of myself for overcoming my fear of like taking uncertain steps. So, um, you know, I was working as a consulting engineer, is very stable, I had a great income. Um, but I knew that I, I wanted to be fulfilled in a different way. Um, and it was kind of scary. <laughs> so I'm proud of myself for doing that. Um, I'm also proud of here. Um, you know, everybody kind of maybe has different mechanisms for identifying within themselves what makes them tick and what um, maybe um, sort of triggers inspiration. Um, and I guess I'm most proud of letting myself be inspired and acting on the inspiration and 
um, probably the most the most significant piece of this part of it would be not to be afraid to share the inspiration that I have. And I, I think that's probably something that most of us could probably identify with. It's a little bit scary. You know, you reading my blog sounds a lot different than when I'm writing it in my, you know, in my uncertainty about whether people will understand it or, but, um, yeah, I would say if I can if I can inspire other people to put their um inspirations out there, um that's something I'm I'm very proud of myself for doing. So I guess I will say for taking bold steps and for allowing myself to inspire other people. Mm. Mm. So um, if people um, would like to, I mean, I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm always going to, uh, well, not always, well, <laughs> in the description, there'll be links to um, connect with Shannon to, to learn more about her. Your website is really robust with the blog and all of the things and the photographs and it's, 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 yeah. So you can check her out there, but is there anything else that you wanted to share or say, or a question that I didn't ask that? Hmm. Let's see. <laughs> um, what am I feeling inspired to share? Um, I I don't know. I guess I would say that um, one thing that I think a lot of myself, I guess I should say, um, can often uh, look at a project or uh, inspiration or uh, initiative um, from start to finish and mentally bypass the in-betweens. Um, and only look at where you're starting from and feeling like the endpoint is unachievable. And I, I guess I always just want to make sure that people understand that I, you know, I, I didn't do it overnight. The website I didn't do overnight. Um, first of all, I had to learn how to build a website and then I had to take all of the pictures one at a time. And, um, one thing that I have found that is really helpful for me if I'm feeling overwhelmed by something that I have a big desire to push out into the world is um, just do a little bit every day. Only one thing that feels just slightly manageable. And 365 days later, 365 baby steps is a great, great deal of stepping. And um, yeah, I just think it's super important for me and therefore probably for lots of people to one, let myself be inspired to create giant initiatives and then be prepared to do what you can a little bit at a time, but be consistent with the doing um, and steps that are joyful and manageable. And um, in the little baby daily steps, you'll find joy and then <laughs> when you come to the 365 days or the two years or the five years, um, 
you'll find great joy too as you continue to just take one daily step at a time. Today, I'm picking a few strawberries and I'm picking some hibiscus. And by the end of this season, I will have all the ingredients I need to make thousands, hundreds of thousands of cups of tea. And that's that's kind of a scary thought to think about, but it was just every day picking some hibiscus and strawberries and mint and that's that's how you make things happen. So don't be afraid of your big ideas. Just take them one step at a time. Beautiful. Um, I did I did have this question written down, and I <laughs> so I am I am curious um, to know because I I get that like you said, it didn't happen overnight. And for me personally, one of the things that I really looked at earlier this year was, were the times that I didn't keep going with something, I, I kind of went back and looked at what I had created with some different projects and mm -hmm. realized how much I had created. And, but I stopped because I'd been sort of impatient about, mm -hmm. about, maybe the results showing up or something. And so I had, so I had stopped instead of continuing with the forward motion, thinking that it wasn't getting out there or whatever. And, mm -hmm. and so I love what, what you mentioned though, about it, it's, it's the continuing to move forward. There's a saying, um, and I don't know who said it and exactly how it goes, but it does talk about how, how many people just, they, it was right there but they, mm -hmm. they stopped and, and went in, an, in another direction. And, you know, on another take, one of the things that I always, always, always say is that it's not about making yourself wrong or anything mm -hmm. like that. It's actually just being aware of that. And then for yourself, if, if, for me personally, it's, it's knowing to keep going with projects mm -hmm. that I'm creating as long as it's, you know, congruent with what I'm doing. For sure. Um, so my question that I did write down here was um, like, what, what was the biggest challenge sort of that pops to mind and during this whole process? I mean, I'm sure there were, there were challenges. Is there something that pops into your, into your mind that you're like, oh yeah, that was there ever a time that you, it sounds like perhaps there wasn't a time that you ever wanted to throw in the towel. Um, so that's my question. Hmm. Um, no, there hasn't been a time that I wanted to throw in the towel yet, but um, I will say that there were um, there were some obstacles that did feel a little bit um, insurmountable. But um, I, I guess I learned that no obstacle really is insurmountable if if um, I'm feeling passionate in solving the problem. So one. One example for me that was like a huge learning and also like basically a duplication of all the effort that I had done up to that point was um, we launched the business with 10 blends. All of them had stevia leaf in them. And we learned very quickly from uh, customer input that some people, when they taste stevia leaf, they taste it as bitter instead of sweet. And my intention was not to create a tea that, you know, people 
consider to be bitter. And so all of my product <laughs> felt like was um, just not going to be uh, as accessible to everyone as I had hoped. And the, you know, the decision at that point was, well, we can either just keep keep our products the way they are. And if you don't like it, then don't buy it. Or we could throw in the towel and I'd already kind of invested too much. So that really was the no action option was not one that I wanted. Or I could go ahead and recreate every single blend without Stevia. And it doesn't sound like a big deal, but in terms of the um, nutrition labeling and each package now had to look a little different to identify whether it was with or without stevia it was like a lot of design work and then purchasing all of the packaging products that um basically duplicated everything without stevia and it probably was a six-month process just to get the first two non-stevia blends out there and then after that it it sort of created its own momentum and it went very quickly but um, I will say that <laughs> um, in order to get from where we started to where we are now uh, in terms of that particular challenge, it really was um, like it had to be a decision. And once the decision is made, I think in your mind, you feel like you're happy with what you're going to do, then it's just a matter of doing it <laughs> and it might seem scary it might seem a lot of work but what I mean people climb mountains and that's a lot of work but look once you get there it's all worth it you know we do hard things all the time I think you just make a decision to like enjoy the journey and do the hard thing and expect that the um the end point will be fantastic and you know it will be because you worked for it <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah it's amazing um, how the energy can shift huh when you when you're in that when you're in that space of the choice it's the choice point sort of which what are we going to do but once you make that choice it's that all in energy again oh. which just shifts it all and it's just like okay well here we go here we go yep exactly here <laughs> we go that's exactly how how it feels yeah that's a good way to say it hmm Mm, cool. And also just maybe to respond in a little bit more of a specific way to what I think I heard you talking about in your experiences. Um, I think I've also learned that it's okay to adjust my initial vision. So if I'm feeling like I'm moving forward and it's effortful and it doesn't bring me joy and it's like, I'm doing the things that I kind of set out to do, but somehow it's not, it's not feeling um, like energy increasing to me. Then I definitely have gone back and asked myself, what, what is it about this track that is, um, doesn't seem to be working and adjust. Um, so whether it's like maybe creating a piece of, art and you have this great vision and as soon as you start moving forward with it something doesn't feel right or you know um, over here people are telling you that this works better than that and so um, I think flexibility is just part of um, 
the creativity process. And so as we personally start a project, we also personally are growing and adjusting. So it seems appropriate to allow the vision also to adjust, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I'm gonna ask you a question then about this. Um, okay. It's okay. Um, so can you, Speak a little bit. This has nothing to do with the farm. <laughs> right. Okay. Okay. Uh, so can you articulate, uh, put into words, the difference between when the energy of something or, or something's really sticky or you're not feeling it. And so you're willing to move in maybe a completely different direction or, 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 or whatever, versus that uncomfortable, sticky feeling, like with the stevia, where mm -hmm. at the same time, it wasn't about like throwing, you were going in a different direction, but you were still all in. It's different. There, I'm talking about two different things. You understand what I'm asking? I do. Okay. Yeah, I do. Um, so I'm learning, <laughs> probably just like everybody else, but I'm learning to sort of identify the things about an experience that um, indicate to me that I'm in, I'm going in the right direction. So some of the things that I um, have identified personally, one, um, what, what's a good, so in that labor of love thing, I talk about flow. And um, so I have a quote in there by Deepak Chopra and he says, a flower doesn't try to bloom, it just blooms. And water doesn't try to flow, it just flows. And trees don't try to grow, they just grow. <laughs> so when I think I am on the right track in terms of creating something that my, um, I'll just say my, my spirit intended, it just happens. It feels like flow, it's effortless. And um, time sort of disappears as I'm doing it. And for example, I try to make sure that I'm in that place when I'm writing what you're reading in that blog. Those those kind of have have been during moments of flow that I feel like those have been created. So that's one thing is I try to look for moments where I'm feeling in the flow, I guess is the best word. Um, and it's effortless. And then the other thing is that... Um, ah, <laughs> you know what it feels like to be doing something and just have your um, your whole spirit like light up and like, I'm just gonna use the word joy. Like you're doing something and it just brings you joy. Um, so as I'm writing a blog or creating a, a, a new piece of my website or doing a social media post or something like that, I know I'm in the right space because the creating of it brings me joy, you know? So those are kind of, um, is it effortful? It, it, it certainly takes work. Like I'm not, it's not gonna happen on its own, but the energy input is not something that feels draining. It feels uplifting, even though I'm putting forth energy to create it. Mm -hmm. yeah what's your <laughs> what's your thoughts about that um yeah I, I, 
Yes, I'm, I'm with you on, on what you said. Um, I think about it sometimes, um, like when, when you're talking about how you're, you, you, you're not waiting, but you know when to put the words on the paper because it, it's in the flow, they're, they're coming through you kind of thing is what it sounds like. And like for me personally, I know when, I know when I, if I'm at my computer and there's something that I, I need to get done, um, but I'm also aware in my body that it's tense or something in my body's, it's, I just know that I need to get outside or actually leave and go for a hike, even if it's like three hours or four hours, even though it makes no sense because perhaps mm -hmm. I need to work on this thing. When I don't listen to that, if I force myself to be at the computer, everything is that efforting. Mm. Um, and if I go and take the time to listen to my internal yeah. voice, and then I come back and I'm so much more refreshed and everything that I need to do with the computer just flows. So that's just an example, you know, but, but I love what you said too earlier in our conversation about, um, you know, people climb mountains and, and it's funny cause I, I talked about this in a, in a, in an episode that I just recorded on my own. And, and I think about women birthing babies, which I have not done, but I mean, that is a, huge effort mm -hmm. and not just the birthing of it but the journey of of the pregnancy itself which can be incredibly uncomfortable and mm -hmm. have many many challenges for some people but mm -hmm. there's still even though it's uncomfortable you you still have this knowingness that you're on the track of what it is that you would like to create or have mm -hmm. in your world you know what I mean Yes, yes, I I hear exactly what you're saying. Everything you're saying is right in line with how I'm how I'm learning and what I'm experiencing too. Yeah, we're 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 all learning. <laughs> is that what it's about? <laughs> yeah. I love that. Well, it's been wonderful speaking with you, Shannon. Oh, Michelle, what a treat. What an honor it is to talk to you. And I'm I'm loving what you have created too, what you're creating right now and um, this new uh, initiative for the for the podcast that you're doing is super cool. I'm going to be listening to all the other ones. I started listening to them and I'm like, oh, I got to come back and finish this one. So, really cool. Thank you. Yeah, it, it also has its own, I mean, it just started. So mm -hmm. it's, you know, it's ebbing and flowing and moving and, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see where it goes. Um, but yeah, so we'll put um, all of your links below. If you're in the area, um, you know, you do offer farm tours and things like that at certain times of the year, or however that spins down. And I know you do stuff with, with kids. You have kids out to your farm. Um, you have bees. And you have animals and you have all <laughs> kinds of things. So if you yeah. want to learn more, um, check out Shannon's uh, website and um, it's Herbal Mountain Teas, right? Herbal. I think it's elevationherbaltea.com. Sorry. Elevation. <laughs> I'm like, elevation, yeah, herbalteas.com. Um, 
All right. And uh, look forward to meeting you in person sometime. For sure. Although I feel like I've, I've definitely gotten to know a very, <laughs> a very good version of you. It's an honor to talk to you. Yeah, same, same. <laughs> Thank you. And, um, and next, I'll just give a little preview, because uh, this is happening for the next guest we're going to have is uh, going to feature somebody who has, um, I'm going to say the word cured right now, um, kind of cure, cured herself of chronic pain mm -hmm. and showed up in her world. Um, so that should be an interesting conversation as well. So. Awesome. Yeah. Good find, Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Well, be well. Thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. And wherever you're listening to this on whatever platform, if you'd like to share it or like it or subscribe and do all of, all of those things to get out in the world, that would be amazing. So, okay. Yeah. Bye. Bye, Michelle. Thank you again.